Welcome to Second Act Podcast. Second Act, it's a continuation and yet an evolution. It's finding meaning, fulfillment and deep sense of purpose. Through these podcasts, I would like to invite people who experienced their second acts, found a bigger purpose for themselves and are ready to share their stories because we truly believe that learnings happen through conversations. So welcome, Gyan. It's such a pleasure to have you today. Um, we are talking to each other after maybe two, two and a half, three years. But uh, all the exciting work that you do, I'm compelled to, to get you on the Second Act podcast today, to be honest, because this podcast has so much to do with who you are, what you do, how you do, and um, the TLC that you have created. So people who are um, seeing us and hearing us, um, please welcome Gyan Pawar. Uh, now he calls himself Gyan Power. We will talk more about it, how this transition from Pawar to Power. And um, Gyan is an ex-Deutsche Bank and a PwC employee. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of TLC Lions, uh, which is using the power of storytelling to transform workplaces globally. Gyan, we, we want to know more from you, what all you do. This is just a short introduction. So welcome, my dear. And how are you feeling to be on this podcast? I'm feeling good. Thank you for inviting me. Um, as I say, I'm obviously half Indian. So there's roots within India that I don't speak about often. So no, it's nice to be able to explore an important side of me that doesn't get explored enough. Beautiful. So Gyan, I gave you uh, gave a very short introduction about you. I'm sure that I missed out a lot. Uh, so why don't you tell us more about who Gyan Pawar Power is? <laughs> what are your Indian roots like? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so a little bit about me is yeah. So I was born in the Midlands in the in the UK uh, to my dad who's Indian heritage and my mum who's white British. Uh, so yeah, my, na- my name's Gyan Singh Power. My sister is Emma Laura. So it's always a funny joke how we are both of Indian <laughs> heritage and she got the really English name of Emma Laura yeah. and I got the real double whammy of Gyan Singh. Um, <laughs> one of my dad's regrets not putting core in my sister's name, actually. So, yeah, I, I grew up in a loving family. Interesting being in a mixed culture, I think with a huge Asian Indian family. And then my like white British family from the north of England. Um, at the age of 11, uh, my parents did divorce, um, which puts its own challenges. And so I moved to the north of England, very white area, um, which made me, I suppose, first notice my colour uh, at school. Oh. Because in the Midlands in the UK, you don't notice it's very multicultural. Yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Um, and then I went off to university. Um, I studied business with German. Again, growing up in a culture where I couldn't speak Punjabi. And it kind of frustrated me. So I was determined to be bilingual, uh, but I would choose the language. And so I chose German um, and I'm coming <laughs> to you from Germany right now. Um, so, yeah, that's it. And then I spent time at Deutsche Bank in Frankfurt, where I am right today. Um, but then I moved to PwC in London. I trained as an accountant. I think some people might relate to this in the Indian family. They kind of are like a doctor, an accountant, a lawyer. There's a little list of things. <laughs> yes. So I don't think grandma knew where I was going, but she knew it was accounting. And so I got a bit of a nod. And so I moved to London. And I'll kind of pause there uh, before life changed because up until that point, life was really good, really happy, 
very nice, fortunate upbringing. And then 2015 came, but I'll pause there. Yes, I know a little bit about that story as well. Um, you bring in that story very boldly and uh, also because I feel that it also transforms people's lives. And Second Act is all about that, transforming people by a conversation, by reading a book or reading a quote or just by telling your own story here. So do you want to talk about it or is it okay for you? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm very open. Okay. Yeah. So I know that 2015, you lost your father and uh, not in the easiest way that people, it's not easy to even go through a parent's uh, death in that case, or, you know, losing a parent at an early age, but this was very traumatic for you. Um, I want to bring up this story because it might just help somebody else to relate with it maybe, or also understand, uh, you know, the kids who are settled outside, Oh, yeah, and their roots are still somewhere back here. How was that? What happened really? And um, please share with yeah. us. Yeah, I know it's tough, but. Yeah, I mean, if I can ever help people, hopefully it does. I mean, uh, my life until 2015 was great. I was very happy. I worked hard and my dad's always been my best friend and my role model. Um, and then, yeah, in 2015, he called me and said he had to go on a business trip to India and I said, okay. I said, when? He said, tonight. I said, that's very last minute. Um, and I spoke to him from the airport in the UK and he flew um, to Amritsar via Delhi. And we spoke from the airport and off dad went. And a few days passed by and I didn't hear from him. But I think when you have a loved one traveling and time difference, you just don't think about it too much. But after about four days, five days passed, I realized nobody had heard from him. And alarm bells start going and I thought where is he and I just hoped prayed that he would take the return flight that was planned to the UK one week after his business trip but I remember the airline calling me that day and they said look um your father's not on the flight and it's departed for England and at that point I declared my father missing internationally across India across the UK and globally and I had no idea what I was doing you know I was a graduate in the city at this point and it was it was painful. I mean, me and my sister are calling all these hotels trying to find my dad. You know, you're looking at all sorts of images of people who've died in India because they're quite publicly put online and you can see. Um, after four weeks of campaigning to try and find my dad, uh, I received a phone call. I had no idea that they were live on India and a radio station when they called us, which was just really nice of them. And it was them to say that they'd had somebody confessed the murder of my father in India and that day my life changed tremendously um we know who killed our father many of them are walking free and for the years that followed I and to this day there's a murder investigation going on um but justice is a funny old thing that takes a lot of energy and is not always dealt equally especially when you're dealing with different areas of the world and different countries trying to work together. And so losing my dad in 2015 took me on a completely different path and purpose in life that I'm sure we'll go into. And yeah, that's meant that my connection with India has been difficult at times, you know, difficult my family, who I don't speak to much anymore, if I'm honest. Um, it's taken me time and I'm getting there. Um, and obviously I had my first trip to India where we met. So it was quite a moment for me deciding to even take a plane to Mumbai. 
I could so imagine. And it's not easy. Like you're saying, investigation is still going on. And uh, you still seem to be fond of India. And with every conversation, I feel that is something which is very generous from your heart to still wanting to come back and wanting to meet, um, you know, your people from your family, probably whom you've not met before. And also to travel in your own village, isn't it? I mean, that is something that you're very generous about still. And that's very bold of you, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I think it's because I can't allow two or a few individuals to represent a billion people or the whole population of India, right? And it would not be right of me. Um, sometimes it's easy for the rational mind to say that, but the irrational mind, it took some time for me to overcome this. Um, but also it's a beautiful country, rich with history. I'm half Indian. My roots come from India at the end of the day, you know, Singh and Gyan is my name. And every day I'm reminded when I meet, you know, cause I meet people who like Gyan, Gyan, you Italian, Spanish. And then you meet now and again, Indian who are like Gyan, Singh. <laughs> I'm like, it's a reminder. <laughs> Um, and no, yeah, I'd like to come back at some point. So then what is TLC all about? I know that TLC was born because of the story as well. So what is, what is the full form and what do you do with TLC? Yeah, so, so obviously a bit of a story behind this was that when all of this happened, I was working at PwC in London and I took three months out from work because of the investigation and PwC was so supportive. And it showed me the need that we need teams who feel like a second family. We needed to change to have leaders who care and they lead with kindness and empathy and compassion. But it just wasn't happening. And I was determined to humanize the corporate world in its little sense. And so I stayed at PwC for a few years and I realized that my story was out in the media and people started to share with me, you know, whether they had felt a victim of whatever it was going on or mental health challenges or uh, their gender issues. And I just thought, wow, these are people we work with every day, but we don't know their stories. Yet it's these stories that open up our mind to think in a different way and then build an inclusive workplace. And I just saw that storytelling didn't make us less professional. It made us more human. And so I decided to leave and launch TLC Lions. Lion, of course, comes from the word sing. So I wanted a bit of my roots there subtly. And what we do is we work, we use the power of storytelling to completely change and champion workplace cultures around the world. Because storytelling can open up our eyes to new ways of thinking. And so today we proudly work with just over 250 organizations. We have 40 storytellers around the world. I've now met over 600. So the 40 are known as our lions. They each have a powerful story to share, but they know how and why it's relevant to a corporate setting and how it can impact a, a graduate at Tata, for example, through to a senior leader at Deloitte. And that's so, so important. And so today we work with companies over a 12 month period plus to say, look, where are your challenges around generally inclusion, mental health and their talent? And we use the power of real life stories to drive engagement, to make people connect to topics. And so, yeah, I love our work today. Um, it's very close to my heart. And I spend a lot of my days in the science of what we do. So tell me a little bit more about the work that you're doing. You spoke about three things that you're focusing on, of course. One is mental health, one is talent, and uh, the other one is storytelling, no? Inclusion. 
in yeah. education, right? So, of course, very much being an Indian, I know that from where the inclusion part is coming, and it's not always easy to feel a part of um, the same community when you're staying out of, uh, you know, another country. Uh, the other thing is mental health, again, something that you've gone through yourself. Um, and I know that it is a very relatable topic, uh, and you can speak your heart out. Uh, but talent is something that I would uh, want, of course, you to probe in a bit more to say, what are you actually doing in all the three? Let's talk about the first, the second, and the third, and you can uh, bring out more on the talent piece, which I want to know in detail. Yeah, of course. And so I think firstly, on the on the mental health side of things, I mean, mental health, you know, it's something that we all have all of the time, you know, and I know some days where just surviving and other days we're thriving and I've realized through my hard times to prioritize my self-care and I know especially in a community where you know taught to serve others and help others first and many people will probably relate to this it can feel so selfish to say I need to look after me and I learned the hard way that I'm trying to lead a murder investigation look after my mum my sister my career and I was 23 at the time and I thought I can't do any of this if I don't look after myself you can't pour from an empty cup and so I thought call me selfish call me whatever to my family on the Indian side if I'm honest I said but I need to look after myself first and it's the best thing I've ever done and so if anybody is listening and thinking you know I feel this way I, I'm you're constantly drained because you're always helping other people you need to take the time for you it's not selfish it's a strength so our work today focuses on destigmatizing mental health in the workplace, raising awareness of topics from burnout, anxiety, depression, you know, all these important things, but also being mindful of different countries and cultures. This morning, I've just been, we're working with a company in a hundred countries. And so we've got to make sure that the content we put out is as fit for India as it is for America, as it is for Panama and Croatia. It's a challenge for companies who are operating globally. And so you will hear from our storytellers who will speak anything from one of our lions in, in America. You know, he speaks about living with bipolar disorder um, and he speaks openly about when he jumped from the Golden Gate Bridge um, and he survived. Kevin is the one of the only survivors alive today to talk about suicide prevention and being here tomorrow. So that's a bit around mental health. Um, sorry, it's kind of a lot. So you're going to get me flying off on passion here <laughs> and talking. Um, yeah. And, and so with talent, uh, what is it that you bring out uh, through your stories? Um, what is exactly that you work on talent for? Yeah, I mean, for us, I think we're seeing that the world is changing tremendously and people are joining the workplace wanting purpose over paycheck. They're wanting leaders to lead with compassion and not just command and controlling them. And that is demanding and requiring a new style of leadership and a new style of managers who actually engage in the, I hate when people say this, but the softer skills that are all too often forgotten and seen as fluffy. So for us, we will work with them to say, you know, how do you get to know your teams on a human level? You know, how do we make sure that every graduate or trainee joining these global companies has mental health and inclusion on the agenda from day one? And so when I was at PwC, I very sadly lost a colleague of mine to suicide in our building. 
And I just thought, if only we could have spoken about this in the first stage of their career, maybe they'd still be here today. And so it's looking at mental health and inclusion, but through a learning standpoint of changing the way we lead ourselves and others. So let me focus more on the mental health, because I feel that if you're mentally looking after yourself, if you're taking care of how you're feeling and you are in control of your own emotions, there is no way that anybody or any external forces can disturb you, right? And um, when we are not able to actually have the grip of these things, um, that's when the problem starts. So when you talk about mental health and uh, next month we have the mental health, World Mental Health Day coming. So maybe we will release this podcast around that time as well. Um, what are the tips on mental health that uh, you can actually bring in with all your work that you're doing? And let's talk about this in specific today with our podcast. How should we start looking after our own mental health? Because the problem could be less or could be more and everyone's going through stresses. It's not like, you know, anybody who's stared out. And thanks to all that is going around in the world, I think people who also thought they, they're in a happy state, everyone's life has been touched in some or the other way. So mental stress is all over us. So what do you think, Jan, we should do as people? Mm -hmm. I think the first thing for me is it's getting to know ourselves and tuning in with our own emotions, because before we can act, I always think we've got to recognize and there's different tools that I do. I, I can share them. I hope they're helpful. I le learn from people every day that I tune in with my emotions. For example, in the early days, I used an emotions tracker, I called it. And, and all that was, I said to myself over a 30 day period, every single day, I'm going to tune in with myself at a random time in the day and I'm going to write down what emotion I'm feeling and what I'm doing. And I did it over 30 days and I found that that could say, you know, Sunday afternoon, I feel sad, calm. I'm at home watching a film. But then it would say it's Wednesday morning. I'm in the gym. I feel energized. I feel great. I feel happy. And I, I started to look at it and double down on the good stuff. I looked at who I was around and how they made me feel, people, family, friends, and also the things that I was doing. And so now I'm just very aware of if I say to myself, it's, it's less formal now, but I stop and I say, what are you feeling? Anxious. Okay. Well, you know, Gian, when you're feeling anxious now that you need to go to the gym, or I know that anxiety hates a plan, as my therapist taught me. So I start to plan. I write down what is causing my anxiety at the top. And then I plan everything. And I always kill that anxiety in my mind by my plans. Or if I feel sad, I will just say, let's not go away from it. I put my, I've got a certain music playlist and I just let myself be. We're a human being, not a human doing. And I just say like, what's causing sadness? Let's feel it, embrace it, okay? then let's move to a more positive emotion. And so my point there, just to wrap up, it's I really believe in firstly knowing ourselves and our emotions and then knowing how you can navigate your emotions. Emotions are energy emotion. Um, I think they are fascinating and I choose happy as much as I can. So Gyan, but there are times in life when you want to stay in a better positive mindset, but something or the other happens that triggers you on the other side and it is not something that um, any of us will feel different in a day you know it's not that I want to be in a sad state but things happen around me 
and despite my wanting to be in a certain state i am not able to so what do you recommend or do at that that point in time so my first thing is i think self compassion is a beautiful thing and being kind to yourself because all too often i used to be really harsh and say why are you down come on sort yourself out and now i don't i just say it's okay to be sad it's normal to feel like this like let it out cry i cry a lot cry smile laugh be sad just be again so i'm really kind to myself um and also i think another thing for me and i know it's not for everyone but i'm i, I like to be very positive and i realized a couple of years ago that and i think you said this we can't control oftentimes what's going to happen out there there's many things out of my control and our control but there's one thing in my control and that's how i respond to the situation nobody can take that away from me and at times it's difficult but i choose to always and i mean always see a positive if i hadn't lost my dad to murder i wouldn't know what happiness really meant if i hadn't I'll be honest with you. I'm going to give you a little everyday one for those listening. I was ready to come on this podcast. I had a lovely morning, been in the gym. I just got a coffee. I get into the lift and I drop it and it goes everywhere. And I say to myself, that's okay. You can't let this bother me. It's happened. I can only change now to say, oh, well, I'm going to appreciate my next coffee a bit more on with the podcast. And so every time something affects me, that's a silly, it's an everyday example. I choose to say, well, what can I learn from this? and how can that enhance my life and not hold me back and how do you handle relationships um because for you as well relationships haven't been easy and even to think of people back at home here in india you don't know who was your friend or who was you know on the other side so how do you handle relationships in their authentic way do you still try to be at peace or do you actually for your mental health what do you do with relationships which are not working properly so you're right after 2015 i learned a lot i learned what's important to me in any relationship working relationship personal like loyalty is very important to me you know openness and transparency these little things and i started to realize who i'm around and do they display those values that's easy for me to sound like i've got it all under control because back in 2015 to 17 i absolutely didn't and i can be open with you and I, you know i'm indian saying this i had this real nervousness around other indians that could be my family it could be because of that who can i trust and i spoke to my counselor and she was like yeah it's normal because if uh, an elderly lady is attacked on the street by a young man she suddenly has a bit of a fear of young men it takes her a bit of time because she was like it's okay now one day i was in the pwc office on a saturday afternoon studying and i went out for some lunch now what i didn't realize this day in the middle of trafalgar square in central london was a big sikh festival happening and i opened my eyes and i was in the middle of thousands of indians and i just thought i've got two options now i can either walk away from this or i can kind of walk into it and that day i walked into it and it was emotional i was by myself and i just thought look you cannot say that every single person here is representative of what's happened to you because there are beautiful people in every culture and that day i walked through i got myself almost in the bloody parade um and it was a key moment for me so that's a long way of talking about relationships 
But I'm very careful today of who's close to me. Are they loyal? Are they open? Are they kind? Are they good people? Even family, pull that away and look at them as a person. Just because I'm related doesn't mean they're a good person. Sorry to say. I think that's a good uh, way of like also dealing. Like I loved your point when you say deal with people and not with you know stereotype relationships. That this is your brother, so you have to be like this with this person. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't yeah. have to be right. And so also because you work so much with corporates, um, you know, there as well from leadership to all the people who are working in an organization. Authenticity is something that you bring in from your stories. Um, Speak your heart out, being yourself. Also talking openly about your challenges, about your downs in life. And it's, it's not about just wearing a mask all the time, right? So, but that's what we do in the corporate world, don't you think? So, <laughs> because you're working so much with them, um, I want to know, where do you see, so you've been working in this space for a while now. Are you seeing a shift? Uh, do you see that uh, companies and organizations are becoming more conscious? Um, are people changing around? Are they the real self? What's your experience? So I think, yes, things are moving and moving in the right direction generally, albeit slower in certain industries and countries and cultures, as we would expect. I'm pleased to see more, and maybe the pandemic, again, I'm going to see a blessing in everything. You know, there is some silver lining in this that it's made companies wake up to, oh my gosh, every single person, leaders included, have felt the impact on their mental health over the last year. And it's taken mental health and inclusion, race and ethnicity in particular, to a boardroom level topic. That's no longer a nice to have. Let's talk about this when we can. It's a business imperative and we're not going to retain talent, attract talent if we are not talking about this. But one step further, I think they're realizing now that especially younger generations, they see through them. If they're just paying lip service to this and it's just on the website and they go there, they're just going to leave. The amount of friends now I have in their 20s, late 30s, they're sick. They're like, if you don't care about me, I will go to a company that does, no matter how much you pay me. And and I just did a a paper actually um, for the BBC on this about like, is the world changing in the way that we're working? So I think this is giving you a a long waffly answer of, yes, I see things change, both from the way corporates are responding, but also because I feel employees have got a voice that's shouting louder than ever internally on social media, and there's no hiding. Um, Don't get me wrong, there's a lot still to be done, but it's happening. Like you said, the youth have a voice and I'm sure that, um, you know, they are uh, bringing it out. The best is that they talk which was very unlike from the times that we were growing up. Um, We were not having a voice. We were supposed to adjust. Like I talked to my kids a lot when I said depression was a a word in the dictionary. We didn't know what depression was. And just because we didn't know this word, probably we didn't even know that we are in depression and everything just went by, right? So sometimes I feel, is it a good idea to know or is it a bad idea to know? (laughs) <laughs> I know, I know. And that crosses my mind. But I think the general thing is it's a good thing because we know the suicide rates are, are so high. And just I, I, it just pains me to think how many people in the past have struggled in silence because we couldn't put a name on what we're feeling. We think it's not normal. 
And yet when we speak about it, we realize everybody's feeling it, felt it, or will feel it at some point in our lives. And it's a strength to share. So Gyan, this is a podcast on Second Act. And how I feel I brought in this uh, company Second Act was because of a higher purpose that I am looking for, which is touching people's lives or it's my higher purpose. So what is Gyan's Second Act? <laughs> It was a difficult one to word for me, if I'm honest, to put into words. All I know is that I want to, sounds a bit cliche, leave this world in a far better place than when I came here. And I don't know how long I'm here. I've seen life come and go in a day, in an instant. And I just know that I'm going to spend every single day giving people a voice, allowing them to speak up and be more human. And that's where I dedicate my time today. I I will not let anybody suffer in silence as long as I can be here to help them. Very waffly. Oh my God, it penetrates deep in my heart what you're saying. I'm getting goosebumps from every sentence. Yeah. Great mission, my dear Gyan. At this young age, that's all I can say. Um, you're on a great path. Oh no, thank you. Um, yeah, you've you've touched those chords which go were really deep and um, I'm hoping that a lot of people can hear you today and that the mission that you're on I also know that you've started something about missing people do you want to talk about that yeah well I will talk about that because over the last few years leading an investigation in your 20s is very difficult when you're up against difficult legal systems around the world and I thought we all have so much energy and where we deploy that energy is key. And so I thought, I can't change my past, but I can control how I change the future for others. And so I took a role with the Missing People Charity, um, and where I now support them in writing their strategy and growing the charity to ensure that every adult and child, as many as possible, we can bring them home safely when they go missing. Um, eight out of 10 people go missing with some form of diagnosed or undiagnosed mental health condition. Um, and so it's absolutely vital. So yeah, I, I'm just really passionate that you know, everybody has a voice. And if anybody is listening and I don't know, just don't let anybody stop your ambitions. Or if you think something, I think having people around you who are like, oh yeah, don't do that. Or you've got an idea and they belittle it. It infuriates me. And I think just go against the grain. Just don't give up. So what mm. is your life mantra? Does it come from you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, to be honest, I don't really have a particular one. I have lots of little lessons and I'll be honest, I'm going to give you a long answer to that again, because I used to be Sikh if you want to box me in a religious box. Now I had my own journey with that, another story for another day. So now I create my Lakyan's laws of life, I call them. And there's all sorts in there, you know, whether I take karma from Buddhism or I believe, you know, every day if I like things that excite me and bring me joy and happiness. And so I don't have a particular life mantra. I just have many things that I hope make me a better person. Yeah, there's not really an answer there. I'm sorry, but I have a long list of things. <laughs> a few that you put in practice every day to tell us. About yeah. Them. Yeah. So, for example, and this, this isn't necessarily a mantra. It's just things that I suppose I live by. And one of them is, it's easy to say yes to everything in life. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll go there. And that for me can stop me living my life if I just say yes to everybody else. And so now one of my things is, you know, is it like a hell yes? If it's not, then it's no. 
That could be anything from an opportunity at work. It could be if you go shopping, should you buy this? Should you hang out with that person? Is it hell yes in your heart? Do you really want to do this? If not, I'm going to say no, and I'm going to follow my own path. Another thing is I always trust my gut above all else and my instinct. The data can say yes, but if I feel it in my heart, it's wrong. I just don't do it. And I live by that in every single thing that I do. Um, and the final one, I just think, just be a good person. Just smile at people. And I'm a bit strange like this. Call me strange. I smile at people in the street. It's infectious. I tell people if I see they've got good energy, I'm like, you're just giving off good vibes today. Like, you do you. And it just brings people joy. If you think something good, tell people. It's amazing. Make the world a better place. That's just a few. Yeah. I'm losing words. You can see it's just this conversation has made me also very emotional uh, talking to you. I'm feeling you. Uh, that's what I can say. Um, so for people who are undergoing something in life, okay. Um, and so since you are that Masiha, the savior, uh, the person who can be the voice for them, how do they really find you? So do, do they look up tlc.com? Uh, do they get in touch with one of your other 40 people? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, of course. So no, you can find me obviously across social media at Gian Power, G-I-A-N Power. Um, and, and it's different, you know, on LinkedIn, I try to share more about the workplace and our learnings there in the corporate world. Some of the hints and tips around emotions are on like YouTube videos, for example bit more behind the scenes and up to date. And I like to point out bad behavior every day as well. You'll see it on Instagram. I'm very real. So yeah, you can find more there. There's all sorts of articles online. And of course, tlclions.com to change your workplace and support in that capacity as well. Because um, there are also many people who would love to share their story. Just like you spoke about one or two of them who are really doing great work with you. Uh, yeah. They have an opportunity also through storytelling uh, to come and collaborate with you maybe? Yes, so good point. So we've launched a campaign, uh, which we'll be launching very soon, if everybody has a story. And so if you do, if you are listening, you have a story you'd like to share, you can email untoldstories at tlclions.com. Okay. And one of the team will be in touch with a template of how you can share your story. You always have the option of giving your name or keeping it anonymized. And we never share anything without your consent that you feel happy in doing so. So that's untoldstories at tlclions.com. And everybody's welcome to write in and everybody has a story to share. Yes, I am working on something similar on second act stories, uh, which is um, literally bringing out your second act. Mm, it could be of uh, anyone, any age, uh, maybe a, a passion, a rediscovery, an inner calling, an inner tapping, anything that just changed your life, a story mm -hmm. where you can move somebody else. So on similar lines, yes, it is inspiring. And um, Jan, thank you really for today's time. And this is just the beginning of our conversation, my dear. Uh, I'm going to <laughs> have you more and more and oh. uh, because you're such an inspiration, really very kind of you no thank you for inviting me thank you for having me take care